Welcome to another episode of Preferred Walk-On, PFF's College Football Show. I'm your host, Max Chadwick, alongside my co-host, Dalton Wasserman. Don't we actually have my mom in the studio today. She surprised me by flying out for my birthday. But, uh, man, we have a loaded show today, dude. We have not only my mom in the studio, not only producer Tyler back there, we have some huge things to cover today. Alex Grinch got fired at USC. We go over our five biggest takeaways uh, from a insane week of college football and then at the end of course you have to come back from your 0 for 5 in trivia man have to it was a horrible performance last week you got to come back from 0 for 5 this week so we have trivia at the end as well but don man unbelievable week 10 that we just had in college football dude oh yeah loaded just more madness more teams getting eliminated from the playoff race shootouts left and right teams in close games i, I mean it's just everything everything you could ask for on a college football weekend we just got it and by my count we're down to 11 teams really alive at least for the playoff race whether whether they're likely or not to make it um it's it's getting more and more tense and the more more of these close games and especially the shootouts the point totals were just nuts this week in some of these games where we're getting to we're getting to a time of year that's really it's it's getting to be the most fun you could have dude you almost nailed the big Te uh, big 12 getting eliminated this past weekend you almost nailed it because you got oklahoma losing to oklahoma state which you called and then you also called kansas state over texas which went to overtime and the wildcats nearly pulled it out uh so uh, big 12 still in trouble i think even with texas winning that game but yeah man you almost got that it was very very close but you mentioned the shootouts man that's where we're going to start first because uh usc is on the losing end of a shootout this past weekend 52 to 42 losing to washington after the game Alex Grinch, the defensive coordinator for USC, who's been with Lincoln Riley since his days at Oklahoma in 2019 even, he was fired. And now USC is, you know, looking for a new defensive coordinator this offseason. I think, Dalton, this is honestly, this is the most important coordinator hire that we're going to get this offseason uh, with Lincoln Riley and who he's going to pick as his next defensive coordinator. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I think you look at Washington, actually, who just beat them as the blueprint. You go, I, I think we both agree Washington's defense is probably closer to average yeah. than, than terrible. They gave up 42, but giving up 42 to Caleb Williams is kind of a routine day. Um, if USC even had an average defense this season, they would be right in the playoff conversation, right Easily. in the top eight with the rest of these teams. Um, they've, they've just... It, it feels like a waste that they've had Caleb Williams for two Heisman caliber seasons and just can't just can't get it together at all on defense it's really you know and, and to be honest with you there's some people getting on Caleb Williams back this week but he put up 42 points on the number five team in the country I, honestly of their three losses the only one that's really on him is the Notre Dame game I mean there's not really any excuses for that he was too loose with the football playing around under pressure like we talked about but he's cleaned it up over the last few weeks and he is not the reason they've lost these last two games they just can't make big stops Dude, they can. And we'll get into Caleb Williams in a second because that's one of the takes because we each have about five takes each that we want to talk about after this week of college football. I have one or center around Caleb Williams, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, yeah, man, it really is sad just to see what they what has happened with Caleb Williams and his career just because he has no defense. And he's putting up 40-plus points every week, which is really – that's a great day for any offense, and that should be a win for any offense. And they keep losing games after putting up 40-plus points because the defense can't stop anyone. So, Caleb is probably not going to be able to enjoy a new defensive coordinator because he will be probably off to the NFL. But Lincoln's got to hire a good one next year, man. Especially without Caleb Williams, you got to nail that defensive coordinator hire. So we're actually going to help him out right now. We're going to throw out a few names that we think could be really good uh, to be the next USC defensive coordinator. And Dolan, the first one is extremely, extremely unrealistic. There's no way I think he actually leaves. But I think if you're Lincoln Riley, you have to at least try to hire uh, Phil Parker, the Iowa defensive coordinator, who has been there forever. He's been there since 1999 when he was a defensive back coach. He's been there since then. He's not leaving Iowa, okay? If this is not a realistic one. However, I, will, I do want to say, though, he makes about $1.4 million a year. The highest-paid coordinators make around $2 million a year. If I'm Lincoln Riley, I'm offering $3 million plus for Phil Parker because it's kind of the perfect marriage where Lincoln Riley is winning games in spite of his defense and Phil Parker wins games in spite of his offense. You combine those two together, I mean, that is going to be – would be one of the best teams in college football almost immediately in my opinion. But like I said, I don't think he's leaving, but he's had elite defenses at Iowa in each of the last six seasons, and I think he would be a home run hire. But again, I just – I don't think that's very realistic for Lincoln Riley right now. No, I, I agree. It's hard. It's going to be hard to break up that Iowa crew with Kirk Ferentz, Phil Parker, the whole thing. And, and and 
the biggest thing to me is the work they do in the secondary this year yeah. with DeGene and Castro and past years with guys like Riley Moss and just, just so many great defensive backs come out of there. They USC needs to be able to, I, I think, especially moving to the Big Ten, you've got explosive offenses, right? Yeah. Michigan, Ohio State, and you still have to deal with Oregon and Washington. They need to, they need to be able to keep things in front of them. Um, and, and I know this past week their run defense got them, but it all it all coincides, right? College football, let's let's face it, it's a pass first game now, and and they just have to be able to marry the back with the front. Nobody does that better than Iowa's defense. No, no absolutely not. So listen, Phil Parker, not possible, but I think the first guy you call and offer three million plus as the highest paid coordinator in the country is Phil Parker because I think that would be a match made in heaven because Iowa right now with one of the worst offenses in America they're seven and two dude like they are winning games in spite of the offense which is really hard to do in today's day and age a few of the guys I wanted to, to throw out there again this one is impossible for me to see him leaving but Jesse Minter at Michigan I think the only way that happens is if this whole thing blows up this offseason and Jim Harbaugh's gone Jesse Minter might be he honestly could be a head coach uh, first, I think that's possible too, but if not, maybe he says, okay, maybe I'll go to USC, not deal with any of the stuff Michigan's dealing with this offseason. That's another kind of out there one. I don't think it's very possible, but again, he's one of the top DCs in the country. Maybe Michigan blows up. Maybe that happens. But other realistic ones, uh, maybe they steal from their rival, Danton Lynn, the UCLA defensive coordinator. He has been fantastic, I think, for the Bruins this year. Jim Leonard, who's a defensive analyst at Illinois. He had a great defensive coordinator at, at, at Wisconsin, was a really good head coach there for a little bit too. Uh, another guy I want to throw out was Ron English from Louisville, who's had a really good defense at Louisville this year as well. That's really the reason why they're 8-1 right now is that defense has been unbelievable. But uh, out of those names, out of like Jesse Minter, who again is not very realistic, but Danton Lynn, Jim Leonard, Ron English, is there anyone there that you kind of think, oh, that would actually be a really good hire for Lincoln Riley? I think Jim Leonard stands out to me. Um, the work he did at Wisconsin, I think, got really, really underrated, especially up front. You know, obviously he had a, a ton of size at Wisconsin, but he just does such a great job of. Uh, you know, his blitz packages, it's so diverse. He had such a diverse defense and a different game plan every single week, and especially having to deal with rivals like Ohio State and Michigan and teams like that. He gave everybody in the Big Ten problems all the time, and and it reminds me a little, He you know, he played under Rex Ryan for the Jets, and watching him call defenses I think was very similar. You got something completely different yeah. every week, you know, game plan specific. I, I think that's a big asset sometimes. You have certain defensive coordinators who like to kind of use their foundational stuff 90% of the time and kind of sit in the same couple defenses. Jim Leonard was not like that. He was he was he's a lot he's kind of taken I think the defensive play calling a lot from Rex where it, it's just different the blitz packages the stunts the fronts the just everything just changes constantly it's like oh, I, I don't want to say it's this like amoeba but every week the game plans were spectacular at Wisconsin and their defense was really you know for the last few years when he was there the driving force of their success yeah, I would love Jim Leonard, and he's not even a defensive coordinator right now. He's only a defensive analyst at Illinois, so I think he would be open to that job for sure, and I think that's honestly would be a very enticing job for a lot of defensive coaches just looking at, hey, I know the offense I have is going to put up 40-plus points. Like, if I could really have some success here running this defense, and I think Lincoln, honestly, I think he maybe had his hands a little bit too much in the defense where like cared a lot about getting turnovers. I think whoever Lincoln hires, man, just let him run the defense. Like, just let him take over. Don't even worry about that side of the ball. But obviously, you got to hire a very competent one. So those are some names I, I think would be really good. Good. I think Danton Lynn would be a great one as well. Jim Leonard, I think, would be a fantastic hire. Ron English, like I said. And then obviously, if they can get Phil Parker or Jesse Minter to do, that is the hire of the offseason. I don't care what other teams hire a head coach, but that would be fantastic. Let's get into our takes, though, Dalton. We each have a, a few hot takes that we want to get into after an insane week 10 of college football. So what is the first one that you want to throw at me? I think the one that sticks out to me the most, right, the the, the overarching theme of this year is Georgia going for the three-peat. And mm -hmm. I think I think all season, even if we expected Alabama to make the, make the SEC title game and face them, I think we've expected all year that Georgia's still kind of favored, right, where like it's like Georgia and then Bama. Yeah. I, I'm not so sure that's the case. I, I, you know, I was questioning against LSU if Alabama would come in and play a complete football game. And this was the first time this year they played a totally complete 
all three phases football game. And, and and you look at some of the metrics and you look at the way they're playing. We've been on their secondary all year, but Jalen Milrow, once he got the starting job back, has been elite, leads the country in big-time throw rate. The, the running is just incredible. I, yeah. I don't know how in the world you tackle that guy when he gets – when he turns his shoulders north and south, I, that's a nightmare waiting to happen. He's a big play waiting to happen. And I think Alabama and Georgia are a lot more even than people think. Right now, the way Bama's playing, if they're going to play like they just played against LSU, I, I'm actually, if let's say if they played tomorrow, I am not sure who I would pick in a, in a Georgia-Alabama game right now. Dude, neither would I. That actually leads perfectly into one of my takes. Jalen Milrow will enter next season as the Heisman favorite going into the year. He has been un freaking believable and Dalton right when we started the show together we were talking about how Alabama's quarterback situation is a mess and we don't know who gets that that's job we both did say Jalen Moreau deserves the job but we didn't feel good about it like we were saying okay he's gonna like play the way he's playing right now he had 220 passing yards 155 rushing yards four rushing touchdowns against LSU 84.9 grade on the day what he's done since he got benched, dude, is incredible. He's a 90.3 grade since getting benched, which is fifth among all quarterbacks in the country. You see right there, like you mentioned before, he leads the country in big-time throw rate, tied for third in rushing touchdowns this year. And a reason why I also think he's going to be next year's Heisman favorite going into the season, we're about to lose every top quarterback pretty much in college football. Caleb Williams is going to be gone. Drake May, Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix, Jaden Daniels, J.J. McCarthy, uh, Jordan Travis. They're pretty much all going to be gone after this season. I think you look at the Heisman favorites next year, uh, you got Jalen Moreau, you got Carson Beck, who we'll talk about in a little bit as well. Shador Sanders, maybe, if Colorado gets together. But with Jalen Moreau, he's, he's going to have another really good team next year, obviously, at Alabama. With what he could do as a runner, what he could do as a passer, man, I think he is probably going to be your betting favorite to win the Heisman Trophy going into next season. Yeah, I think the big thing is the dual threat part of it. Um, you, you've got a guy he might – I'm not sure where he's at in rushing yards right now, but he can go a full season with a thousand rushing yards. Uh, It's just insane. The dual threat, the big plays, um, total, he could lead the nation in total touchdowns. It wouldn't shock me at all. And, I think as he gets more comfortable, and, and if Alabama can surround him with a couple more weapons at receiver, obviously Burton's their number one, but if they just get a few more weapons on the outside that can really help him distribute the ball underneath all the deep balls, they're, they're going to be as dangerous as ever. Uh, it, it's They're starting to fire on all cylinders, and Milrow, I, I could absolutely see a scenario, I'm with you, where he leads the nation in total touchdowns and, and is in that race for sure. Yeah, definitely. With everyone leaving, dude, I definitely think him, Carson Beck, and others like Shador Sanders will be in it. But I think right now, if I had to make a pick as to who the favorite will be next year, I think it will be Jalen Moreau. But what's another take that you want to throw at me, Don? Um, I think, and I know some other guys have some good arguments, but I think this Heisman race is down to two guys. Yeah, I think it's I think it's Michael Penix and it's Bo Nix, and we very well could have that decided in a rematch. And and the Heisman the moment really might just be who wins a rematch and gets themselves <laughs> yeah. in the playoffs. So you look at you look at Penix and and how he bounced back against you. And to be honest with you, he's more efficient. They leaned on the running game as they should with USC's run defense in front of them, but still. 22 of 30, I believe it was, 255, two touchdowns, big throws when they needed it. Again, arguably the most efficient passer in the country. Third third in the country in clean pocket grade behind Caleb Williams and Drake May, who are going to be the first two picks in the draft most likely. And then Knicks. Knicks is just incredible. They put up another 63 points on yep. Cal. He's just, just been raging hot, uh, you know. He, he just He's the best quarterback in the country under pressure. And yet he's the least pressured QB in the country. He's clean all the time, and even when he's not, he's making things happen, right? He's got an 89.9 grade under pressure, right? There's only two other quarterbacks in the country at an 80, and they're barely at an 80, which is insane. But the combination, if he's going to play like that on the rare occasion when he's pressured, because I'm going to throw a second thing at you. Their offensive line is doing historic things in pass protection now he gets rid of the ball reasonably quickly but they have the best pass protection grade of any power five team in the last five years wow right and and i looked at their pressure rate okay they're giving up a 9.4 percent pressure rate okay which is already on the surface it's laughably good right i went back and looked at this since we've been doing this in 2014 right 
it's the best pressure rate by far of any Power 5 school since PFF started tracking college data. Okay, and usually the leader every year is hovers around right around like 13%. Yeah. Okay. Oregon's at 9.4. <laughs> you just right now, you just can't even touch Bo Nix. There's center Jackson Powers Johnson, who we've been over before. Best pass pro grade of any power five center. Steven Jones, their right guard, leads all right guards. Yep. In in the power, it's, I think leads all guards in the power five, actually, in pass protection as well. They what they have going, the combination of their offensive line and Bo Nix right now, is it, it, basically untouchable. It's it's insane, and it's going to allow him possibly to win this Heisman Trophy. Dude, that's another. That literally, was one of my takes too. The Pac-12 championship game is deciding not only the Pac-12 champion, not only probably a college playoff team. It's deciding who wins the stiff arm trophy. It decides who wins the Heisman Trophy. I think it really is down to those two. Uh, those numbers for that offensive lineman are insane. I, that's that's crazy. A Johnny Cornelius, another left tackle transfer from Rhode Island. He was a very very coveted uh, transfer portal guy. He's playing really well too for them this year. I mean that offensive line is fantastic. That pressure grade. 89, man, is wild because I think Caleb led the country last year with an 85 grade, and that was insane. And he won the Heisman off of that, basically, just how ridiculous that is. And Bo Nix is, is doing that, man. It's insane. Bo Nix also leads the nation in passing grade. Penix leads the nation in passing yards. Bo Nix leads in adjusted completion rate as well, which is basically your completion percentage uh, plus any drops your receivers had. So he's completing about 85%. He's basically putting on, on his receiver – 85% of the time, which is nuts. That leads the country. Uh, Michael Penix Jr., man, having a great year. Bo Nix having a great year. And then, unfortunately, I mean, really, if you're asking me who deserves it the most, Jaden Daniels is probably up there, but he lost three games. Like, it's really going to be tough for him to win uh, with three losses on the season, even though he might deserve it. Jason McCarthy is another guy a lot of people are putting in there. Again, he's playing lights-out football right now, but he's getting benched in the third quarter every single time. Like, he's not going to have the raw numbers that I think Heisman voters will look for. We won't look at that, obviously. We will look at how well you're playing just when you're out there, but Jason McCarthy, in terms of the grand scope and who actually is voting for this trophy, they're going to look at the raw numbers. And the raw numbers right now point to Michael Penix Jr. They point to Bo Nix, and they're both going to be on a collision course, basically, for the college football playoff in that Pac-12 championship game, most likely. So, uh, yeah, I love that take. It's one I completely agree with as well. Uh, I'll get into one of mine, I guess, then. One of my other takes is another Heisman take. Uh, Carson Beck is a top five or six. I'd be, I'd be okay with six Heisman candidate right now, man. What he is doing this year is he's the most underrated quarterback in college football, in my opinion. He's right now seventh in grade. He is fifth in adjusted completion rate, right around 81%. So Bo Nix is 85%, leads the country. Carson Beck's at 81%. He's doing this without his best player in Brock Bowers in each of the last two games. And they got a big one that's coming up this weekend in Ole Miss. Brock probably isn't going to play in that one either. I mean, if he keeps winning like this, man, he keeps letting it up. I mean, he is... I think he probably will be maybe going to New York. If Stetson Bennett can get to New York, Carson Beck's probably putting up a better year than Stetson Bennett did last year. And I think he's a guy that not a lot of people are talking about right now, but he has been fantastic. And again, I mentioned Jalen Moreau being the favorite going into next year. Beck is probably going to be either number two or number three, man, because of how well he's played this season. I mean, he gets it out lightning quick. He leads the power five in average time to throw. I mean, he just is such a sound quarterback for Kirby Smart right now. And you can make an argument. It's weird because Stetson Bennett won two national championships, but I think this is an upgrade, honestly, over Stetson Bennett, what he's been doing this year. Yeah, I mean, Beck looks more like the the classic pocket quarterback, and I, I use the best word there is sound. Um, yeah. I, I had a chance to do a real deep dive on this Georgia-Missouri game, and the one thing I came away with, Beck is just – he's not as flashy as Penix or Knicks or Caleb Williams or any of those guys. He, he just does not – screw anything up no the ball is never ever in danger and right now it fits this georgia team so well lean on the run game a bit lean on mcconkey and love it and and just don't give games away because they are still more talented just straight up they will beat out of the 133 teams in college football they will beat about 127 of them just on talent just because yeah. they're better than them right it, it's just he and he's he compliments it so so well. Bennett moved a little more. He was a little more involved in the run game, some bootlegs, even some things like that. And you know, Beck is more of the classic pocket quarterback. To me, honestly, I watch him 
and it's not the flashiest thing ever, but he kind of looks he looks like, you know, for all for as much as we talk about the top of the draft, Carson Beck looks like an NFL quarterback. He does. Yeah. I don't think he I don't I don't think he looks I, I he's probably a tiny bit more athletic, but I don't think he looks all that different from than somebody like say Mac Jones. Yeah. Right? Just classic pocket quarterback. Get rid of the football, make the right decisions, don't turn it over. His you know, his I think it's a 1.5% turnover worthy play rate is like eighth best in the country. Yeah. The, the ball's just never in danger. It's so hard to turn Georgia over mostly because Beck just doesn't put it in dangerous spots. Yeah, absolutely. So what is another take that you have, Dalton, you want to throw out me? Um, well, I already kind of, it's kind of, I don't know if it's stale because I kind of did this last week picking against them, but um, I, I'm I got a side eye on Texas a little bit right mm-hmm. now. I, I and I know Kansas State's a very good football team. They are, and, and we went over that in the preview last week. But there, are, you know, so I told you there's 11 teams really still alive. Alive, they have at least a pulse for the playoff. That yeah. includes like Penn State and Ole Miss, who have really tough games this week. And and Texas, the, they're underneath metrics. You know, when you talk about the teams that we think are more unlikely out of those 11, say, like Penn State or Louisville Easy. even, let's say, right? Easy. Louisville out of the 11, we everybody would probably go, well, yeah, they're the worst of the 11, right? But a lot of the underneath metrics for Texas have them closer to, to those teams on the in the bottom third of that than to the teams like Michigan and Georgia and Bama and, and Oregon, right? They, look, the coverage unit since week five is the 11th worst in the power five and the BYU game was really the only game where they played well since week six their offense is 40th in total grading and their defense is 51st their Texas for several weeks now has played like something closer to a good team than a playoff caliber team and obviously the last two weeks they've had a backup quarterback in there and you know, Murphy, he got he got off to a hot start in the first quarter, but then he started putting the ball in danger that, you know, the screen, this, the overthrown screen that, that really turned the game around. You can't have those. They just, they're getting by kind of on grit. Let's be real. If Kansas State's field goal unit ex- executes the way they should have, Kansas State should have won that game. Yeah. You know, you have a you have a botched extra point, which I really thought I could argue is the biggest play of the game. That extra point would have put K-State ahead that late in the game tied or down one that's a whole different animal and and that that you know the botched extra point really gave texas the momentum back even though kansas state tied the game and then a missed 27 yarder you you just can't have it if kansas state you know texas i I don't want to say they're more lucky than good because they are good they're very good right so andre sweat is a monster he was the best player on the field again jonathan brooks is a monster cj baxter is making a huge impact spelling brooks you know big 54 yard run i think it was for a touchdown on fourth and one but they're they're really grinding it's it's getting to be a grind for texas And, and i think the biggest worry for me is basically the five games this year where they've played teams with reasonably good passing games they've struggled and the games they've dominated are against teams that they just struggle in the passing game, right? You think about BYU's not real explosive, or they played Rice early in Wyoming earlier in the year. Their next, I find their next two opponents interesting because TCU and Iowa State are like right in the middle of those two categories. They're not as in like the top fifty like Texas's good opponents, and they're not in the bottom like forty like their bad ones. They're right between there, so. I'm curious to see especially how their defense, because I did not expect Will Howard to go in there and tear him up. I thought if K-State was going to be in and win that game, it'd be through the running game. And the second half of that game, Will Howard honestly ripped them to shreds. They're going to have to be better on the back end if they want to finish off this run. Yeah, and, and listen, I, I think it's also fair to point out that they are on the back of quarterback right now. So I still was impressed that they were able to win that game with Malik Murphy. And let's face it, Malik Murphy... He's struggling right now. I mean, he in the last two games, he has really had some up and down moments, and there's been a lot more down moments than up ones right now for like Malik Murphy is. I think four big time throws in the season, six turnover worthy plays. If Ewers is out again, and you're playing TCU, who's again not as dangerous as Kansas State, but you can't play around with them either. If Ewers is out again, I might even say, listen, let's give Arch a shot. And let's just see what this kid has, man. Because Malik is playing with fire, I, I think, right now. And I think they'll be a lot better with Quinn Ewers, and I think they're going to finish out the year with an 11-1 record. They're going to the Big 12 championship game either against Oklahoma State or Oklahoma. Uh, It's tough, man. It's tough for me to say they're going to be a playoff team because, like, 
that I think that at Oklahoma loss, it's weird for Texas fans to root for Oklahoma, but they should have been because you want Oklahoma as good as possible when you play them in the rematch. And then when you beat them, it looks even better for you. Oklahoma losing, man, is like, okay, now you're beating a two-loss Oklahoma State or Oklahoma team. I just don't know if it'd be good enough, man. And I think if you're looking at every conference right now has a, at least one really good playoff contender. I think the Big 12, obviously there's five Power 5 conferences. I think the Big 12 will be the team, this conference that's left out at the end of the day. I just, it's going to be tough for Texas, man. Even, even if they go 12-1, and one, I, I just don't know if that'll be enough for them to get into the college ball playoff over some other teams. Yeah, it's a hard one. Uh, and, and I just think at 12-1, and one, they're going to have some argument because you're going to, you know, it's very possible you could sneak in there at four. It depends on if Florida State runs the table, right. what happens between Washington and Oregon. You know, I, I, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, we've talked about scenarios. What if Michigan does lose to Ohio State? Do they even deserve to be in? I... I Right now, just the it's it's that old eye test versus resume thing, and they won at Bama, which does look better and better every week. But Texas, uh, you look at again out of these eleven teams right now, they're only playing like maybe the eighth or ninth best among them. And, and I just I wonder when we talk about oh you know when there's some numbers and things that say oh Texas has the easiest road. Well, maybe, but are they are they prepared? Still, you know, these are good teams. TCU's a threat, right? You know, they're not great, but they're a threat. At Iowa State is not going to be easy. Iowa State's playing, playing well right this now. year. Yeah, they're playing really well right now. Absolutely. You know, and then and then you get to the Big 12 title game. Look, Oklahoma. Oklahoma already beat them once. They got Oklahoma State. We've talked about Ollie Gordon. It's just an absolute monster. Uh, these, you know, they're, they're going to still have to beat at least two really good teams. And, and you know, and honestly, Texas Tech is a rivalry game and they're, they're frisky. Sometimes they almost beat Oregon. Yep. You know, these teams, these teams are not non threats, right? I, I think BYU with Texas such, you know, having such a big advantage in the trenches was kind of a non threat. They got through that one. I think it was 35 to six. But these teams are all threats, you know, and if they lay off the, especially for as long as Ewers is out. If they lay off the gas at all or if Murphy's going to give the ball away, I, I don't know that they're well-rounded enough right now to overcome too many more obstacles. That's fair. I, I definitely think they're a lot better, obviously, with Quinn Ewers. I'm still holding out after until he comes back, but I do agree there are some holes in this team that needs to be addressed. Uh, one of my takes, Dolan, I wanted to throw out, I've thrown this out a couple times already, but I just want to keep shouting it from the rooftops because this team deserves more. It is an abomination what is happening to James Madison right now. An abomination. I have James Madison. Uh, you can check out my rankings at pff.com tomorrow. I have them number 12 right now. They're 9-0 and on the season. I think this should be the clear favorite to be the group of five team that goes to a New Year's Six Bowl, even above Tulane. Even above Tulane. I love what the Green Wave done this year, and obviously their only loss is to Ole Miss. But I think what James Madison has done, I mean, they're beating some good teams, man. I know it's the Sun Belt, but Troy is a really good team. James Madison beat them. Uh, they just beat Georgia State, who's had a really good year. Um, South Alabama is a pretty good, decent team as well. They beat Virginia, who's not great, but still it's a Power 5 win. I think what James Madison is doing, man, is unbelievable. And Air Force obviously losing this past weekend. That kills their season, basically. James Madison... As a former FCS school just two years ago, we should be celebrating the fact that a former FCS school is doing this well this quickly. I mean, they were 8-3 and three last year, too. Instead, we're punishing them for being a former FCS school because obviously that rule is if you come, if you move up a division, you can't participate in the postseason for your first two years. And that's kind of... Uh, a rule is outdated in my opinion is also prohibiting teams the, the meaning of it and why they have it in place is to prohibit teams from moving up when they're not ready basically james madison has been ready for years now man they were eight and three last year like i said they finished in the top three of the fcs in five of the last six years there including a national championship in 2016 this was a team that was ready immediately. This rule never should have applied to them. Their waivers should have been accepted. I mean, NCAA is accepting waivers for everything else right now. James Madison, dude, they are getting screwed by the NCAA right now. This should be a top 15 team in the country. They're not going to be ranked because they can't participate in the postseason. They can't even play in the Sun Belt Championship game. I think it's an abomination that this is a team that should be a New Year's Six Bowl team most likely, and they can't even play in any bowl game or even the conference championship game because of a stupid rule. 
Yeah, and I, th- I think you're right. It is outdated, and I think the best thing you said there is is that they would be, especially, obviously, they're undefeated, but they would be ahead of Tulane in the rankings right now if they were allowed to be. Um, yeah. Tulane's really been skidding by. They only beat East Carolina 13-10 to 10 this week. They've been skidding by for several weeks, and James Madison, clearly, clearly the best group of five teams. Their defense is incredible. Um, I, I know last week I checked. I'm not sure if it still holds. They have the number one run defense in the country. Yeah. Jalen Green, it's it's really sad with Jalen Green because of Sandy Torres ACL this past weekend, and he was leading the nation 15 and a half sacks. He just and unreal, too. yeah, leading the nation unreal. He was crazy. Green and their front seven has been doing so. I uh, yeah, no, it it really doesn't make any sense because nowadays it's so hard, barring like realignment and all sorts of weird things, for an FCS school to move up. We've seen several of them in the last in the last few years and a lot of them have had success right away i mean you, you know especially you look at liberty what they've been doing you look coastal carolina is still a relatively new fbs program james madison now it, it's it, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense I, I i don't i don't why two years i just don't they clearly there are fcs schools there are several probably a dozen more fcs schools currently that they could compete in the fbs Easily. in the sun yeah. belt in the mountain west in the it it, it it's the parody doesn't just you know it's not just at the top at the very top when we talk about the top 10 or 12 fcs football and and we analyze that to the grades we have the grades up on in premium stats too you know subscribe to it and you can see those also fcs football is getting better the top end of F- fcs you look jacksonville state they're another one yep they're another one they, they played a decent game with south carolina i believe they're seven and three they so far yeah. so seven and two seven and three i mean they're just you've got teams that can move up these teams have talent and and to just hold them out just because basically it's not really a good reason it doesn't matter you're right james madison would absolutely be the new year six group of five team dude it's just like and i so so i tweeted it out about like how it's an abomination or whatever and a lot of james madison fans were very happy with that tweet there are a lot of people too i think a lot of virginia fans who obviously rivals with james madison because they're in the same state were applying like oh well this is they knew the rule when they signed up it's like dude yeah true but also like the rule doesn't mean the rule is not stupid like it doesn't mean the rule is like should not be it also again they applied for a waiver and it was denied it was like why why would you like why would you deny that and the whole point of the rule is to you know prohibit teams from moving up that aren't ready for it dude this team is ready this team is like well above ready to to make a move and and they're showing it man they're eight and three last year they're nine and oh this year and it's like oh too bad man sorry once you play your last regular season game that's game over for you i mean do you know a new year's six bowl for james madison how massive that would be for the program I don't know. They might not get another opportunity like this. We'll see what happens in the future, man. But they might not get another opportunity to play in a New Year's Six Bowl. So to take it away from them now for a stupid, stupid rule is, I think, awful. But what is another take, Dalton, that you have uh, that you want to throw out? Just want to tack on the last thing there is that the transfer portal applies to the FCS as well. You know, these kids jump to and from FCS schools all the time. I yep. believe is it is Jordan McLeod their quarterback? Is that right? I think so. I, yeah. I believe- Former former USF quarterback, and I believe Arizona after that, who was just trying to find a place, you know, to find some consistent playing time. They the transfer portal applies too. They can, kids can go to F to and from FCS schools as yep. well, and they you know and, and they've taken advantage of some of that too. You know, so it, it's I believe last year they had I want to say it was Todd Santeo who used to be at Colorado State. Awesome. These 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 are I mean these are just guys. Sometimes you just find the right fit, and the FCS. You know, they're getting FBS talent to move down, guys who can't find playing time and things of that nature, the same way we see at the top level. Um, it actually huh, transitions well into into another team that used the transfer portal really well. I, I want to talk about Florida State for a second. Mm-hmm. I, I told you last week when, when the rankings came out, if you were I, – I had no idea how the rankings were really sorted at the end of the day because they did resume and eye tests and all this. And I told you Florida State, if you're going on resume, probably should have been number two. Right. Okay. I've had I've had some people come to me and be like, "What is their deal? Like, what is their deal with? They're always messing around early in games. They're always playing closer games than they should, and this and then this week with Pitt, you know, the game was tight for like the first right. half, right? Couple of things. I, I think they knew. Okay, Keon Coleman's banged up. Johnny Wilson's banged up. These are your two big guns, right? These are the guys that are going to get you there, right? You're playing Pitt. Okay, Pitt's the worst team in the ACC right now. Yeah, they are. All right. If Florida State can't beat Pitt even without those guys, they have bigger problems, right? They still beat them 24-7. to And at the end of the day, in the second half, they were clearly the better team, all right? They were down early. I get it. Florida State, they 
they're very it's like it's weird they're consistent and yet they're not I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something at you. Their offense is special. I was trying to find like, okay, does Jordan Travis like he kind of he's not the Heisman race, I guess, but he's also definitely a top ten quarterback. Yeah, and 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 I look across the board and I go, it's not really any flaws. He's so darn consistent across the, the clean pressure, play action, not blitz, not whatever. I'm just trying to find something, and and the one thing maybe that I think is fooling people with Florida State. And this, I think, this just shows you how good they are compared to the rest of the ACC. So their their offense right now, in the first half of games, is like ranked in like the low forties in offensive grade. Second half of games, tied for second best with Georgia. I believe I believe only behind Ole Miss. When you when Florida State makes the adjustments, they whatever they're doing at halftime is working because they make these adjustments. They get in the second half of these games. And they just start teeing off on teams. They're just a whole different team. Now, could a slow start hurt them at some point? Absolutely. But they're still better than every team they're about to play. Mainly Miami and Florida are the two big ones left. They're better than both of those teams. And you hate getting off to slow starts. But something about it works for this team. And they just grind through it every week. And and even their defense, I believe in coverage grade in the first half, they were in like the 70s. And the only two Power 5 schools in the second half of games better in coverage grade are Alabama and Georgia. So Florida State, you know, I, I get that like early when you struggle early in games, it, it can be opt like it can be a bad optic. Like, oh, why are you letting these teams hang around, right? But would you rather struggle in the second half when the game's on the line and you actually could lose? Uh, like I, I I don't think I, I think people are now under I think Florida State is being kind of consistently underrated, first being at number four based on I'm not sure what. And second, again, I get the optics of games being close early, but I'd much rather have a game close in the first 20 minutes than the last 10. And when it comes down to it in crunch time, they get elite quarterback play, elite receiver play, big-time play calling, and elite play in the secondary. Their corners are off the charts. I'm telling you, in the second half, again, only Bama and Georgia are better in coverage than Florida State. And we talk about Alabama every week, like the best secondary in the country. We know Georgia can cover. Florida State, yes. Would I like to see them play a full 60 minutes of just fantastic football? Sure. It just doesn't always work like that. If they're going to be the best team in the country in the second half of games, well, then just don't, don't fall too far behind to somebody. Because yeah. right, Jordan Trap, like I told you, they're probably the grittiest team in college football. They Easily. they just so they get through hard times so well, and I think it's so emblematic of that. I, I think there is this perception that Florida State is like shaky or something like that. I, I just I think it's so wrong. I, honestly, I really do. I do not, not even that. Like the you made a great point. The, the whole Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson being out that's a huge deal, dude. These are top two receivers easily that are out. And, I would much ra- I would much rather have them healthy against Miami than yeah. re-injured against Pitt. Easily, easily. And George Travis still had 360 yards even without his top two weapons in that game. So it shows how good he is. We interviewed him. If you want to check that out, we also interviewed Johnny Wilson too and Trey Benson. Uh, if you want to check that out as well. But yeah, man, I, I agree with you. I, listen. As a guy who picked Florida State to make the playoff before the season, and that was met with a lot of hate, don't get me wrong, uh, I still feel good about this team and still feel good. Now, don't get me wrong. They do have to win every game. They can't slip up. Like, that is like, if they lose, Texas immediately jumps them in the race to the college playoff. But if they went out, obviously, a 13-0 team in the Power 5 automatically gets into the college playoff. So they can't lose. But, again, they play Miami. They play Florida. We mentioned how both these teams, those teams are kind of struggling. They also play North Alabama in that stretch as well. And then probably Louisville in the ACC championship game. And we both have our uh, concerns with Louisville, even though they've done really well this year. So it's just Florida State, a lot of other teams like Michigan, like uh, Georgia, they have to prove it. Florida State is kind of in the mode where it's like, okay, we've proven it. Now just don't screw it up now. That's kind of the mode where Florida stays in. Um, I know we have each have one more take that we have to get to. I'll, I'll do my one take now. It's Caleb Williams is maybe the biggest waste of talent I've seen in a long time. And he cares a lot, man, by the way. He cares a lot. I know there were a lot of people that were hating on him for going up into the stands and, and crying to his mom. I have my mom again in the studio right now, man. It, again, it's it's so stupid that we're talking about this with Caleb Williams because two weeks ago, we we're, we're analyzing how he was sitting on the bench and saying, 
Well, he just doesn't care. And then all of a sudden he's crying, and you're saying, oh, he cares too much, and he's a crybaby. Pick one or the other, dude. Pick one or the other. He is a guy that cares a lot. And, again, we interviewed him if you want to check it out. Every time I brought up the NFL draft, he was always like, yeah, it's cool, and I'm excited about it and all that. But, listen, man, all I care about is winning this year. All I care about is national championship. All I care about is college football playoff. Which brings me to the other point. He's not making the playoff this year, obviously, with three losses. It is unbelievable how much Lincoln Riley has wasted his talent, man. We're going to put up a, a graphical pretty soon, but like we have our highest-graded quarterbacks in the Power Five since PFF started in 2014. Number one is Baker Mayfield, two, Mac Jones, three, Justin Fields, four, Trevor Lawrence, Caleb is right there at number five, Kyler Murray, six, Joe Burrow, seven, Bryce Young, also seven, Marcus Mariota, also seven. What do all those quarterbacks all have in common out of besides Caleb Williams? All eight of them outside of Caleb Williams. What do they all have in common? Every single one of them at some point played in the college football playoff. Bingo. Bingo. Every single one of them played in the college football playoff. You can't blame Caleb Williams. He's obviously playing as well as those guys right there. Every single one of them. Even Mac Jones, who only started for one year, he won a national championship in that one year. Kyler Murray only started for one year. He made the playoff in that one year. Everyone else has made the college football playoff. In fact, the four above Caleb Williams, besides Mac Jones, who again only started for one year, Baker made it twice, Justin Fields made it twice, Trevor made it three times with a national championship as well, and then behind him, Bryce Young made it, Joe Burrow won a national championship, Marcus Mariota made it to a national championship. It is an all-time waste of talent that this guy, and he started for three years too. It's not like this is a one or two year start for Caleb Williams. He has started for three years. He's been 90 plus in every single year basically, or at least he's close to it this year. It is incredible. You talked about before with Alex Grinch and that defense about how much uh, you know they really struggled. It's awful, man, because if Caleb's not putting up 55-plus points a game, they're not going to win most likely. So that was my takeaway is that, listen, you see him and you see all the, the quotes in the press conference about you know how he's just upset and how he's like, I just want to go home and cut off my dogs. Me too, dude. If I was you, me too. I'd be like, I don't know what the hell else you want me to do in this, man, because you're putting up 50-plus points a game. I would be like, yeah, man, I'm fucking pissed. I'm sorry. I'm pissed. I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I, I think it's really commendable how he's not blown up yet because, honestly, what is going on with his team right now is awful, man, and how they're letting him down is awful, and I, I'm – you know, Alice Grinch is gone, which is good. But, I mean, again, you saw that graphic, man. All of those guys have made the college football playoff. He's the only one in three years that has never made it, and he won't ever make it in his college football career. So I think we're going to look back on his career in, in 10 years from now and say, man, what a waste. What a waste what USC did with him. What a waste Oklahoma did with him as well. Yeah, no, it, it stands out to me, too, that six of those other eight guys were in the top two of the draft, taking in the top <laughs> two, five, I believe five five number one picks one two five number one picks and marcus mariota was picked second they're all first round picks obviously and and you just when you have a first round quarterback or a first round caliber quarterback you sh you should have expectations of at least being in the final four look winning a trophy sometimes it's execution it takes a little luck what have you but you have to at least they, look not even the play I'm, I'm gonna skip over the playoff they haven't even won the conference no they, they they haven't even won the, the Pac-12. They didn't win the Pac-12 either year he was there. So, no, it's – it's it's um I think on Caleb and, and all the emotions and all that, I, I just think no other player in the country would get scrutinized like that. It's no. just because he's going to be the number one pick. Yeah. And, and if that guy didn't care about football, he just wouldn't have played this year. He would have gone <laughs> yeah. number – he would have gone number one last year if he was eligible. Easily. Over, over, young, over young and Stroud, even for as good as Stroud is obviously playing now. But Caleb would have gone first last year. He'd be in Carolina right now if he was eligible last and, year. And guess so. what? He's still he's still playing next week in Oregon too. I know a lot of people say, oh, you should sit out the rest of the year. He's still playing next week. He's still going out there for his brothers. This guy cares about football, man. So I think the whole yeah. notion that he doesn't care, complete BS. Complete BS. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's just it it just shows you. I mean, well, you still have to have a well-rounded team, right? Like right. just all of the teams, every team in the top 10, we could just sit here and say, look, they're just more well-rounded than USC. It's what's what Oregon and Washington are. Look, Washington, they went out there and they won that ball game with Dylan Johnson in their run game. They're just they have other answers right now. I, I think, you know, I, I think you look at USC and you just go, they have one answer and it's Caleb Williams. Yeah. And, and again, the only game I can pin on his shoulders is the Notre Dame game. He, yeah. he played poorly in that game. He did. Yeah. He admit that. But but I, I think to come back after that game and play the way he's played the last few weeks 
he you know he he should hold his head up uh, it's not it's it's been made very clear obviously with the firing of Grinch what the and, and the numbers have been saying it all year the defense has just been a problem all season yeah absolutely so what is the uh what's the last take that you want to throw out there I, I got a quick one I don't I don't really have any analytics behind this it's just something <laughs> I was thinking about watching the game I, I really and I know the answer is TV contracts and cash and all that stuff it is so not advantageous to anyone for Notre Dame to be playing like two thirds of an ACC schedule, but not being in the conference. Just every time I see this, they go into Clemson this week and they lose. And every time I see them play an ACC team and they play, I think is it six or seven a year now? So they play like half the conference now every year. Right. And, and I, I don't think it's any coincidence that the team best positioned from the ACC to make the playoff is Florida State. Why? Because they didn't play Notre Dame. <laughs> you know, Louisville beat them, which is cool, and that's why they're ranked so highly. What are they? Number? Uh, they should be number 11 if they're not right. already. They're 11, yeah. But I just don't understand the benefit of Notre Dame having to play teams like Clemson, NC State, um, Louisville. Some years they play Florida State. They've played them in the past with really no incentive of a conference title or, again, being able to earn a chance in a conference championship. And honestly, why in the world, if I'm one of these ACC teams, do I want to play Notre Dame, who's perpetually in the top 15 to 20, yep. as as some sort of like pseudo-obligation, non-conference? Because otherwise, my, my only other thing, I'd be like, okay, then I'm just not going to schedule any other non-conference game. If yeah. I'm like kind of sort of forced to play Notre Dame through, I don't know what the contracts or obligations are with that. I, I was just watching this game against Clemson, and I go, "How does this help anyone? How does this help? How does this help anyone at all? Like what? Neither. So this doesn't like. Let's say Clemson was undefeated going into that, and and I don't know. I'm just like I'm just thinking, or like even like Louisville's situation, right? Where it's like. Well, maybe we could make the playoff, and I still have to run through the ACC, right? Like, Florida State's at the point, and obviously they have the rivalry with Florida. But after they beat LSU and Clemson, week five, they're on a bye, and they're looking at the rest of their schedule going, run the table in the ACC. Obviously, we have to beat Florida, but, like, that's a different thing. A rivalry thing doesn't bother me, right? Clemson, South Carolina, all that. Win the ACC, we're good, right? If you just threw a Notre Dame game in there in week 10 – that's a wrench. Yeah. That's a real like a that's a there look Notre Dame for as much as they get talked about and they're in the spotlight. Can they ever get over the top? Whatever. Every year the top twenty team, unquestionably every year. So we just so now just have to. I I, I don't under, either join the conference or just I I don't know play some other schedule because I why the ACC would want this where half of their teams play Notre Dame who is an a real, real threat of beating you every week. They're a really good team. I, I just, I don't see now. Obviously, you know, Dabo likes beating Notre Dame because he can, he can, you know, have all the radio callers getting off his back or whatever. But <laughs> I, I, I just don't, I, I, I don't understand. Can you give me any reason this benefits anybody with Notre Dame still not in the conference and then playing six or seven ACC games a year? I, it's just, I guess it's just ratings. I, I think that's why most of them do is just ratings. Because, I mean, Notre Dame, obviously, they have the NBC contract. They won't ever get rid of that because of how much money they make off that. But, yeah, it, 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 it does. It's weird. It, it sucks that that's what it is. And Notre Dame is an ACC member in every other sport. I mean, college basketball is tipping off tonight, and, and they're a member of the ACC in that. It's every sport but football. They're independent. And, again, I think once we start getting into uh, – expanded playoff and all that Notre Dame might be forced to in all the realignment Notre Dame might be forced to make a move and I think the Big Ten honestly might be a, a move they try to make get into that conference with Big Ten and SEC kind of being the, the last two standing it feels like we're kind of getting to that point uh, eventually but yeah, I agree with you man it is kind of weird just being like they play six ACC games a year and they're not in the ACC so it's like it is, it is definitely a very very weird thing to see but I don't think it's changing anytime soon with the uh, amount of money they get from NBC. I, I just think I, – I get that, but I think – I don't see how they couldn't work through that anyway, right? Like their game game against Duke was on ABC. The game against Louisville was right. on ABC, ESPN, something. So, I mean, the two big games really that were on NBC were the Ohio State game and the USC game. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's cool, 
I mean, just cut a deal. Do something here. Because I, I just don't think it's a competitive advantage to anybody at all. And Notre Dame, because I think isn't their current deal, isn't it like if they win 10 games, they're like automatically in a New Year's Six? It's like something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It's it's like it's like Notre I think it's like if Notre Dame there's like a specific Notre Dame clause or some something where if they go 10 and 2, they get a New Year's 6 game. Yeah. Or so, it's like something like that cuz they're not group of 5. They're, they're considered power 5, but they're independent. They're the only one like that. And I go, how does this help you trying to get to 10 and 2 going to Clemson? You know, Wake Forest this year they're bad, but in the past years they were good. NC State's generally a pretty good team. Duke is a good team at Duke, at Louisville. How does this help Notre Dame at all in a competitive advantage sense? Even if their goal is, all right, 10 and 2, New Year's 6, cool. Yeah. Like, and honestly, it's so much harder to run the table. Yeah. Like, look, look how hard it is to run the table on top of them playing USC, playing Ohio State. They used to play Michigan every year. Like, honestly, you look at their schedule and you go, on what planet? Did they think just on the schedule? I'm not even talking about the quality of the team. They're a really good team, top 15, whatever. What on on what planet are they going to run the table, playing these massive out of conference games and playing half of? They played Clemson, Duke, and Louisville all on the road. Yeah, dude. And what on, on their schedule alone? I probably could have eliminated them before the season. We talk, yeah, because we talked about it. They played eight straight games without a bye week. And they played in Ireland, and they like they played eight straight games. Four of them were against top twenty-five teams at night in a row. They had so it was that again. Their schedule maker screwed them this year. I think that's a big reason why they're they are where they are right now. Another uh, point I want to make on that point that you made though is that listen, they have to go basically twelve and zero to make the playoff because they don't have a conference championship game to compete in. So if they're eleven and one. They could be on the outside looking in against a 12 and 1 team. Now, it won't matter as much next year with a 12 team playoff. Like, they'll have much more opportunities to, to lose two games and still make it. But, yeah, they do have a, that's a disadvantage, too, is that they don't get a conference championship game to be able to play in, even if they are good enough to play in that. So, yeah, I, again, I, I've, I always wanted to see Notre Dame in a conference. It's just the money in NBC. They're, it's just they're not going to give that up until they really need to. Um, but we might get to that point down the line where they need to, where they need to join a Big Ten or SEC because, I mean, do you, not even SEC, but Big Ten, maybe ACC, because you look at how loaded those conferences are getting, dude, and they're like, you see Michigan this year with their uh, out of conference slate, they didn't schedule Notre Dame for a reason. They're like, we don't care. If we just beat Penn State and Ohio State, we're getting in. Like, that's all we need to do. So, with these conferences getting this loaded, they're going to say, I don't want to schedule an out of conference Notre Dame game when I have nine other huge games I got to worry about. Why would I do that to myself? So, I, again, Notre Dame might be in the boat where it's like, oh, okay, we have to join a conference to, to make sure we get enough quality games on the schedule eventually. I don't think it'll be an issue for a while, but I think eventually it could become an issue uh, down the line. But before we go, we have to, of course, get to our trivia. Dalton had a 0 for 5 performance last week. I wasn't too much better. I think I only did 2 for 5, but at least I didn't go 0 for. Uh, Dalton, how nervous are you, dude, going into this week's trivia? I'm really not. I, I, I just, I'm, I'm kind of just still annoyed because four of those five, I like had it narrowed down. I had the, I had the 50-50 who wants to be a millionaire thing, if that still exists. Um, I, I, I I was. It annoys me more that I was close and I was on the right track. That always bothers me. Yeah, you had I, you I'm had four. Like, of these. Wow. I, if I would just if I would just go with my gut for once in my life instead of trying to think about it so hard, I would have had four, really four out of five. So it's just you were that close. You were but between at the end of the day, two, the results are the results. You were between like two answers on four of them, and the other answer is always the right one that you didn't pick. So it was it was, yeah. it was actually unbelievable. So it wasn't, you didn't perform that bad. You just always chose the wrong one. Let's see how you do this week, though. So let's get to our first question that we have for trivia. So blank leads all Power Five quarterbacks with seven rushing touchdowns of 10-plus yards this season. you got Jalen Moreau from Alabama, Caleb Williams from USC, Kyron Jones from uh, Virginia Tech, and then Thomas Castellanos from Boston College. Uh, Tyler made these questions. So I don't know if Tyler is playing the reverse psychology game, Dolan, like Eli does with us, because I know the Caleb picture is right there. Uh, I'm going to let you go first. I don't want to get in your head. I want, I want you to go through this yourself. You get to pick your answer, and then I'll go with mine afterwards. I, I'm I'm actually just gonna go with the obvious here and just say Milrow. Okay, Jalen Milrow. I think uh, that's I, that's who I was gonna go with too. I think it is Jalen. Uh, I'm I'm going. With, he's just so explosive. Yeah, I'm gonna say Jalen Milrow. Also, we, we mentioned before he has nine rushing touchdowns in the season, so it probably 
a good amount of them were 10 plus yards. So let's get the final answer. Both of us going with Jalen Moreau as the final answer. And it was Jalen Moreau. He's an, he's an absolute burner. Uh, that that was that was probably the easiest one we've had since we started doing this. I don't, you just, honestly, I think so, Dave Safar, who makes these questions, I think he knows how much you were struggling. He's like, listen, I got to throw up one. You know, sometimes, you know, in basketball, you just got to get one layup. Just make sure you, or like a quarterback, complete one oh, the, screen pass. The, the feel good, the feel good completion. <laughs> is that what I'm getting here? Well, well, here's the other thing, too. I thought about him again last week and and i'm starting to wonder if he's leaning in on answers that are relevant to games we're going to be doing later yeah. in the week although i don't think we're doing bama this week no we're not they're playing they're playing play kentucky mm-hmm. this year we're definitely not uh, yeah, no. we made we made an agreement we're not, we're not we, we, got, we got some game. we got some better ones to do okay <laughs> well well what milrow was relevant to the past week is did he run for th- Three or four touchdowns. Uh, he had four rushing touchdowns against LSU, so at least one of them. Had so, so he probably had half of those seven in one yeah. game. Yeah. So yeah. all right, that that, that was probably okay. All right, okay. you got your field good completion out of the way. Here yeah, we go. You, you now threw, he's gonna. It's like you threw. It up on you me. threw three picks last week. They just want you to complete a screen pass and let's get this thing rolling again. All right, question number good. two. <laughs> uh, Blank leads the Power Five with 22 rushes, gaining 20 plus yards this season. So which team has the most 20 plus yards? Uh, rushing plays in the Power Five. USC, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, or UCF are the answers. I'm going to say Oklahoma to, State, dude. I, I think I think this I, is the. Well, analogy. I think didn't we we had a similar one last week because last week I think it was at ten plus yard runs and wasn't it Kansas State with that? No, it was. Wasn't it a player one? It might have been Marshawn Lloyd. Was oh, it? I think you're right. I think it was Marshawn Lloyd because then I went away from it and I shouldn't have. Is it USC again? Because of Marshawn Lloyd? Plus it's Caleb too. You gotta count Caleb in that. Oh damn, I might be talking myself out. Alright, all right, I'm caught between two now. Are you between Oklahoma State then too? Or no? Y- yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's why I am too. Tali, it's, but I don't know that he had any twenty pluses this week. Yeah, he kinda just grinded. And down. and to be and to be honest with you, they would all be him. Yeah, because oh, it's, it's not it's not Alan Bowman. I'll let you go first. I'll pick the I'll pick the opposite one. I'm kind of leaning USC though. I think it might be USC with Marshawn Lloyd and Caleb too. It's not just running that, backs. I don't know that they're getting all those 20s though. And we and it was Marshawn Lloyd for the 10s. I'm gonna say Oklahoma State. I'm, right. gonna, I'm, I'm gonna ride the Ollie Gordon train. All right, the I'm Dope going USC. Walker, Ollie Gordon train. I'm going with it. Oklahoma State. Give me the Cowboys. I got I got USC in this one. It's UCF. Wow. Wow. Okay, we were close. Wow. <laughs> I was gonna say Kansas State after that if it wasn't okay. That was my fourth answer. Yeah, something, good question. Something, something about John Rice Plumley and somebody else, right? Yeah, it's I don't know. Be... I don't even know who the running back is. It's pretty bad, Cause, day, honestly. Because UCF was on. They were in. They were a part of one of the questions last week too. And I think I, I don't remember if I picked them, but I was tempted. To. Interesting. All right, good question. All right, so one. we're both what one Nailed for two it. now? Yeah. Yeah, we're one for one for two. All right, question three. Uh, Blank leads the Power Five with 13 passing touchdowns Ooh. off of play action this year. You got Michael Penix Jr., Jalen Moreau, Bo Nix, and Jaden Daniels are your four options. So the oh, most passing touchdowns is, off play action. This is something I look at, but I didn't look at it today. <laughs> I think it's either between Penix and Bo Nix. Yeah, it's one of those two. I don't know which one I'm picking, though. Oh, I wish I had this in my notes today. I was looking at other stuff. This is something I look at all the time. You always, you always do site play action stuff. Yeah, um, it's yeah. I want to go Bo Nix. I, I think I think they. I do know they do a lot of play action. Obviously, with the threat of Bucky Irving running the ball. I want to go Bo Nix. I'm going to go Bo Nix. Final answer. I'm going to say Penix. Because okay. I think he's leading the nation. Is he still leading the nation in touchdowns? Uh, either him or Caleb. I think it might be Caleb. And and I know Penix. One of the underrated things with their offense is actually that he's he, they're they're much better when they get to the play action game. And I know he threw a. I think he threw a bunch of play action touchdowns earlier in the year. Even if they don't run the ball like every week, like they did against USC, they use a lot of play action. They even get under center a good amount. I'm, I'm going to go with Penix. Okay, I got Bo Nix. So what is the final answer? Bo Nix, all right. I am two for three. I wonder if he didn't have a probably two or three this this weekend. I mean, through six total this weekend, I think it was. Yeah, but yeah. 
that's that was that's a hard one. That's a both really of those hard. Teams. That was a really good question. I I just think I I just was like man. I think I know they run a lot of play action because of Bucky Irving obviously there and all that. But I know both 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 of them do. To be honest with you, Penix Penix is one of the best play action passers in the country. To the grading, the grade I, I would I wouldn't even be shocked if Penix was second in that. I almost I'll probably look at that in a minute. I I could look at that. But yeah. Um, yeah, no that 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 was a good one. I, I actually take I take no shame in that one. That's I'm that was like, good. you knew it was going to be one of those. Everything right now is one of those two guys for yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, easily. That's why we said the Heisman Trophy is going to come down to those two guys. Honestly, so I'm two for three. You're one for three right now. Let's go to question four. Uh, this team has allowed the fewest completions of twenty plus yards this season. Iowa, Rutgers, Clemson, and Oregon are your final four for the, so the fewest completions of 20 plus yards this year. Ooh. Rutgers. Okay, so we had, hint. we had one before with fewest touchdowns of 20 plus. Was that Clemson? No, no. Cause I think I might've picked Clemson and that wasn't it. And I don't think it was, didn't you tell me it wasn't that, well, that's a touchdown thing. Fewest completions. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Iowa just because of the teams they've been playing. Who's gonna other than yeah? Maybe the, even the Penn State game that was a meat grinder. Yeah, I was getting. I like uh, Iowa. I like Iowa too. Honestly, Iowa it was Iowa Rutgers Clemson and I forgot the other one, but I don't think it was that one. Um, I'm gonna go Iowa. I think it is Iowa. I just don't think they have I a think, team that can. I'm gonna go games. Iowa. They're playing Northwestern and <laughs> Minnesota and whoever else they've been playing ever the yeah. big, they're playing the big 10 west and i don't know who's getting over the top there all right both going to iowa final answer let's see what it is it is iowa okay good yeah three for four for me and one for, two for four for you i don't you see that uh so last week you get the northwestern game set the record for lowest over under ever you see it this week broke that record for iowa what are they, what, iowa were they playing rutgers. nebraska this week no rutgers Rutgers, what is it at? Uh, let me look real quick. But I know it broke the record. It uh, so, it was twenty eight and a half is the over under right now for Rutgers Iowa. I would still take. I would still take the under. I wouldn't care. <laughs> then the under the under last week was like twenty nine and a half, and it still yeah it hit by twelve points. The under the game was ten was to lowest seven. ever. Fun. <laughs> I, have, I have your play action number too. So Knicks leads in touchdowns, but Penix leads in play action grade. Yeah, okay. That's what it's, Sof was getting it's at. Just okay. that, it's just that Nick's has, what, 20 more play-action dropbacks. He's completing almost 80% of play-action passes, which is gross. But, yeah, <laughs> Penix leads in grade, and Nick's leads in touchdowns on play-actions. Love it. All right, I'm 3 for 4. I don't think we've ever had a 4 for 5 performance yet. So if I get this right, I'm going for 4 for 5. And you get this right, you're going 3 for 5, which is still very respectable. So let's get the final trivia question we got today. Uh, the highest graded Power Five corner in single coverage this year is you got Kamal Haddon from Tennessee, Chris Abrams Drain from Missouri, Jermaine Matthews Jr. from Ohio State, and Cameron Epps from Oklahoma State. I might go Kamal Haddon, who unfortunately is done for the year uh, with, I believe, a shoulder injury. But he, before that, man, he has been he was locked down for Tennessee. I think it. I think I'm gonna go Kamal Haddon. Final answer for that one. <sighs> the highest graded corner in single coverage was the question i really what there's something in my gut that wants to say abrams drain because he he played he still played a pretty good game against georgia that 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 missouri secondary is an underrated group they didn't play that bad a game against georgia but i wonder how much mm, i didn't see the coverage breakdown when they played lsu i wonder right i wonder how rough it was when they played LSU with the single coverage. But that doesn't, I mean, that doesn't always, if you get roasted in zone coverage, that's not always a thing. Um, There's a picture of Kamal Haddon, too. I think that's his reverse psychology. I don't know if we've had a reverse psychology yet. We actually might have had one. But. I think we had one a couple weeks ago. Okay. My uh, it's, it's the LSU game that works. I, want, I really want to pick Abrams Drain. Because he still was, he still had a pretty darn good game against Georgia. Right. Um, I, I'm just gonna go with it because I, I don't know how I'm gonna convince myself otherwise. But <laughs> if I if I'm wrong on this, it'll be I'll, I'll go and look at the numbers and see that the LSU game was. It probably was. Yeah, yeah. If not, it, yeah. Unless they just didn't play any like man to man or anything like that, which wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't go one on one with neighbors either. No. But, yeah. Right. Yeah. Go for. I'll go Abram Strain. All right, Abram Strain. I got Kamal Haddon. Final answer. 
What is it? It is Kamal Haddon. Man, All right, four yeah. for five, dude. Let's go. They, they didn't. They didn't have to play LSU. I would. I would bet money if yeah. I, when I find this, it's going to be the LSU game dip set. All right. Awesome. First time ever, one of us went four for five. Honestly, and uh, so actually, my birthday today too. So it worked out pretty well. So I'm very, very happy with that. Two for five for Dalton. Dalton, you got back on the board. That's all that matters. You just, you just, you saw the ball go through the net, man. That's all that matters. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you know, we had a couple, a couple of easy. Dave didn't kill me this week, but uh, yeah, no, it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's a bounce. It's back, a progress. Yeah, again, we, we, we can narrow, we narrow these things down. I'm like, I, I, I gotta. Man, I gotta, I gotta dig in. I gotta dig it's in progress. a little bit. It's a little all you need is progress. It's not zero for five. You got two for five. Just progress. Keep building off that, and we'll, we'll keep going. That's it. There. You just, you just get, you get better every week. You know, you don't, <laughs> you don't drink the rat poison or whatever it is Saban talks about. Just any, any of that stuff. That's yeah. you writing it. Four for five. Don't be. We'll be drinking the rat poison from the comments. Uh, I, I might, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm riding high right now. I got ESPN FPI telling me that Penn State's favored over Michigan. I got, I got four for five in trivia. I'm kind of riding the high right now this week, man. I kind of love it, but, uh, yeah, that's what we got for a pretty loaded, honestly, episode of Preferred Walk On. Make sure you guys tune in on Wednesday. We have five massive, massive games on Wednesday that we're previewing, so we can't wait to get to those two, two top ten games that we have between Penn State and Michigan, Ole Miss and. Georgia, some other huge ones as well. So we're very, very excited about that. Uh, but, you know, huge thanks to uh, producer Eli, producer Tyler. Oh, my God, back there. Eli couldn't make it today, unfortunately. Wow. Uh, that was brutal. I'm very sorry for Tyler. But producer Tyler back there for Dalton Wasman, for my mom in studio as well. I'm Max Chadwick. And we will see you guys on Wednesday for a loaded Week 11 preview. So we'll see you guys on Wednesday.